Welcome, everybody, to episode number 295 of the Sean Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, first and foremost. I hope everyone out there is staying safe in these crazy times. We have lots to talk about as the NBA playoffs um, are in full swing. As I like to say, the NFL season's in full swing. Some of the NBA offseason, in a way, other NFL stories. Week three of the NFL season, I'm going to give my uh, predictions on that, see how accurate I'm going to be. Uh, obviously the whole Brianna Taylor situation and how it's being addressed by athletes and the sports world overall. But, be- but before I get into all of that, I want to thank, first of all, Crimson IT for sponsoring today's podcast episode. If you have a small or medium-sized company and you're interested in managed IT services, Crimson IT is the one for you. Tell them that you found them by listening to my podcast and you will get a huge discount on whatever specific service you're looking for. Also, if you enjoy the show, please feel free to leave leave a positive or negative review on iTunes as long as you provide feedback if it's negative, you know, because I want to improve if if you leave a negative review. Follow me on Spotify. Follow me on Instagram at theboy62, T-H-A-B-O-Y-Y-62. Once again, thank you so much for listening. And with that, let's get right into it, starting with some NBA. So Marcus Smart was unhappy with how the Boston Celtics played down the stretch during Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Miami Heat, but he wouldn't change anything about his reaction to the 106-101 loss. Obviously, this was a a little... I mean, well, his reaction was a while ago since this was after Game 2, but... Or, excuse me, the game was a while ago since this was Game 2, but his his comments about it were probably not that long ago. Later on in in today's episode, I'm going to cover the result of Game 4. But anyway, this w- these were Marcus Smart's comments on his reaction after the Game 2 loss. Per the Athletic Sam Amick, Smart explained why he has, quote, no regrets over the- how things played out in Boston's locker room after Thursday's game, saying, quote, No, I don't have any regrets, and I don't have any regrets with how my teammates handled it either. I think we handled it perfectly. If you can't talk, if you can't yell, if you can't express how you truly feel with somebody who's supposed to have your back, somebody who you're supposed to trust and vice versa, then are you really supposed to be trusting that person? That's the type of team we are. We trust each other fully. So for us to be able to yell at each other and get yelled at back and move on is important. And that's that's just what it is. And you know what? I respect that. People may not agree with him or agree with me on this because I agree with him. But at the end of the day, if you're on a team, regardless of whether it's sports, NBA, you know, you're, you're, God forbid at war with someone on the front lines or anything like that. If you're, if you're on a team and you're supposed to trust someone else, how can you trust them and vice versa? Like Marcus Smart said, if you are not fully transparent, if you don't air all your feelings out and things like that. I mean, if they lost the game that they should have won, well, there's no reason to sugarcoat anything. And I completely agree with Marcus Smart on this. Uh, so after the Heat's win last Thursday, so obviously this was now six days ago, to take a 2-0 series lead, several reporters posted about hearing screaming lo- about hearing screaming from inside the Celtics locker room. Per Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe, Smart was, quote, screaming and could be heard yelling, quote, y'all on that bullshit. I was going to say, excuse me, but this is an explicit podcast. ESPN's Malika Andrews noted there were, quote, loud chanks that sounded like, quote, someone throwing items in the locker room. Celtics players and coaches downplayed the situation afterward, as you as you would expect, because why, why wouldn't they? But the Celtics did get back on track with a 117-106 winning Game 3 on Saturday. And I will cover game four later on in the episode. With that, I'm switching gears to the NFL. So Blake Bortles' stint as an LA Ram did not last long as the free agent is reportedly signing a one-year contract with the Denver Broncos after starter Drew Locke suffered a shoulder injury that will keep him sidelined for at least three weeks, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN. 
NFL Network has reported that Bortles will make the league minimum. Mike Kliss of Nine News reported Bortles is expected to sign with the Broncos after he clears COVID-19 protocols on Friday when he could officially join the team. Kliss also noted, quote, it's not out of the it's not out of the question that Bortles could serve as the backup for Jeff Driscoll on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's actually surprising to me because I thought that it was kind of assumed that he would be the backup. Um, in March of 2019, Michael Silver of NFL Network reported Denver and the Baltimore Ravens were among the teams to consider Bortles before he signed with the Los Angeles Rams. The 28-year-old Florida native, Florida native attempted only two passes across three relief appearances for the Rams last season while serving as the backup to Jared Goff. Bortles spent the previous five seasons as a starter for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who drafted him third overall in 2014. Not the best of picks for sure. He posted a mediocre 80.6 passer rating with 103 passing touchdowns and 75 interceptions in 75 games, 73 of which were starts. He added 1,775 rushing yards and eight scores on the ground. After the UCF product signed with the Rams, he told reporters that he understood his role but aimed to regain the status he had in Jacksonville, saying, quote, I also expect to be a starter in this league again, and I know it's not going to be here in LA, so I'm trying to just better myself, and if I get an opportunity to, if I get an opportunity to play, great. If not, then I spent a year learning from Sean McVay and being around a really good organization. And you love to see that mentality. That Obviously, that was the case with the Rams last year. He knew that. Everyone knew that. The fans knew that. Everyone knew that. And he went with it instead of being a diva about it because, obviously, he's been in the league for longer than Jared Goff. He's not as good as Jared Goff, but he's been in the league longer. So you could see why he might have a bigger ego. He was the Jaguar starter for five seasons since he was drafted. So, you know, it shows, it shows character for me when someone comes into a situation like that and knows their role and, you know, doesn't doesn't be a dick about it. Um, so Jeff Driscoll is, is expected to take over the Broncos' offense in Locke's absence. He completed 18 of 24, 18 of 34, excuse me, attempts for over 250 yards with two touchdowns and one interception in relief during Sunday's 26 to, one, 26 to 21 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The backup role is unsettled. Denver has Brett Ripien, who's a second-year QB who didn't attempt to pass last season on the practice squad. Since that's the case... I think Bortles is a lock to be the backup. No pun intended with uh, Drew Locke. Uh, a lock to be the backup for sure. And yeah, I mean, it's it just makes sense for the Broncos to have him in as Drew Locke is going to be gone for at least the next three weeks. With that, I'm switching gears back to the NBA. Even though the NBA has not set an official start date for the 2020-21 season, Commissioner Adam Silver says the league could target January. That's very interesting. Speaking with Bob Costas of CNN, Swans, Bob Costas of of on excuse me speaking with boss bob costas on cnn swanson of the uh speaking he was speaking with bob costas of cnn silver said on tuesday his quote best guess is the season won't start until some point in 2021 i mean that's kind of obvious mr silver don't you think we're not we're not even through the conference finals yet and we're only a week from october so it wouldn't really make much sense to start a whole another nba season before the start of next year uh he said quote the more i'm learning I continue to believe we'll be better getting into January. The goal for us next season is to play a standard season, 82-game season, and playoffs in home arenas in front of fans. So that's an ambitious goal considering where we're at now when it comes to fans attending events like that. When the NBA Board of Governors and National Basketball Players Association voted to resume this season in June, ESPN's Woj reported the league gave teams a, quote, working timeline that scheduled, excuse me, that included or scheduled opening training camps for next season, November 10th, and opening night, December 1st. That doesn't really make much sense to me. Like I said, we're we're not even through the conference finals yet, uh, and we're already a week away from the month of October. So let's say the, the NBA finals would end in let's say mid to late October. Let's say mid October hypothetically. That leaves only that leaves a month and a half before the start of the in, of an entire 82 game season. That is 
unrealistic and just stupid. I mean, there's no reason to do that. And if you wait a little longer, let's say till um, the first um, part of 2021, that greatly increases the likelihood of fans being allowed uh, to watch the games in person. Silver told the ESPN's Rachel Nichols during the NBA draft lottery show on August 20th, um, which is now a little over a month ago, that December 1st, quote, is feeling a little bit early for me. And that, like I said, that makes perfect sense. He also said, quote, our number one goal is to get fans back in our arenas. My sense is in working with the Players Association, if we could push back even a little longer and increase the likelihood of having fans in arenas, that's what we would be targeting. And that's literally what I just said. The current season resumed, if you don't know, on July 31st with 22 teams playing at the Walt Disney Resort World Resort, Walt Disney World Resort in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. The playoffs began on, on August 17th and the NBA Finals would run through October 12th. So yeah, mid-October if they last seven games. Assuming the NBA does not begin play until at least January, next season will mark the first time since the lockout shortened 1999 season that there are no games on Christmas Day. So that would be monumental for sure. And that's your update on when the 2020-2021 NBA season would potentially start. With that, I'm switching gears back to the NFL. The New York Giants and free agent running back Devontae Freeman have agreed to a one-year contract worth $3 million, according to Adam Schefter. Quote, Devontae turned down more money from other teams because he likes the opportunity with the Giants best, his agent Drew, Drew Rosenhaus said. Uh, obviously, if you don't know, the Giants lost franchise star and running back Saquon Barkley for the season to a torn right ACL that he suffered against the Chicago Bears on Sunday. Um, obviously, replacing Saquon's production is nearly impossible, but the Giants were forced to, to get some kind of free agent running back from the market to fill a spot on the depth, on the depth chart with Saquon's season over. The G-men entered the season with Deion Lewis as Barkley's backup and Wayne Gallman as the third-string running back. But New York clearly felt the need to add another player in the depth chart, and rightfully so. So this is a good move for everyone involved. And um, not really surprised that that Devontae Freeman um, turned down more money to sign with the Giants because I think he's going to have a great opportunity with the Giants. They're going to be a losing team. So I think he's going to have plenty of opportunities and touches to show teams that he still belongs in the NFL and he's still a, a, you know, a solid running back in the NFL. Transitioning back to the NBA, the Chicago Bulls made headlines hiring Billy Donovan as their next head coach on Tuesday. Bulls Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, Arturas Karnisovas, who is also new to the organization and I think is going to be a huge um, a huge um, asset to the Bulls on hiring Billy Donovan, said, quote, We feel his ability to help his players reach their potential, both individually and collectively, will mesh well with our roster. Donovan is coming off a, you know, it's, I mean... He's coming off a fairly successful, you, objectively successful, but to me, it's not the most successful of stints. He's been the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder head coach for the last five years, making the playoffs every time. So obviously he was successful objectively. Uh, he and the Thunder mutually parted ways after failing to agree to a contract extension after Oklahoma City was eliminated in the first round of the playoffs earlier this month for, the, I believe it was the fourth straight season in a row. Um, the move is a bit of a surprise though to the Bulls, given that that, that it was expected that Billy Donovan Wanted to coach a contender. I'm surprised he didn't go to the Philadelphia 76ers because they ha they fired Brent Brown, right? Yes. He, so Philly's job is open. The Pelicans, I think, are way more of a contender or at least a playoff team than the Chicago Bulls are at the moment. Donovan is likely to have Bulls fans on his side right out of the gate because, <laughs> I mean, he ticks a very important box. He's not Jim Boylan, who is absolutely horrible. The Bulls were 39-84 and under Boylan's watch. Their poor record only scratching the surface to explain why the fan base had turned to vehemently hate the head coach his practice methods were counterproductive at best like just killing his players he extended games by using timeouts despite being down big and he shifted the blame at times 
for the team's struggles. I mean, as Dan Dan Devine tweeted, quote, Jim Boylan took a timeout with half a second left in the third quarter to draw up a play. Sure, the ball's inbounded in the backcourt and didn't get a shot off before the buzzer, but still, Jim punched the clock. So it's just things like that. It's just fucking stupid, in my opinion. Um, and obviously, for many in the Windy City, bringing Arturis Karnasovas as executive vice president of basketball operations and Mark Eversley only went so far in terms of transforming the franchise. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is the Bulls are in a very short time. Uh, you know, time period, they went from being the laughingstock of the NBA to a team with le- with a legitimate future with uh, Billy Donovan and Courtney Sobas as their new um, pre- president of basketball operations and coach. Switching gears to more NBA, the Denver Nuggets are not done fighting. They fought against the Utah Jazz coming coming back from 3-1 down winning in seven. They did the same thing against the Clippers coming back, coming back from 3-1 down winning in seven. And they keep fighting against the Lakers in the conference finals, beating the Lakers 114 to 106 in game three. Uh, yesterday, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and Jeremy Grant spearheaded their latest effort, helping their team bounce back from Anthony Davis's buzzer beater that ended game two and blow within 2 1 in the series. So, this could easily be a 2 1 Denver lead in the series had AD not made that buzzer beater. I'm sure the Lakers are very grateful to be up 2 1 right now. But the Lakers also, at the same time, could have just as easily been up 3-0. They almost came back and won game three because they were down 20 points in the fourth quarter uh, and they cut it all the way down to three. But from there, Denver pulled away and held on. The Lakers are still two wins away from their first NBA Finals appearance since 2010 and now have to worry about a Denver squad that already has two three-to-one comebacks this postseason playing with momentum. But honestly, I think the Lakers are too good, too big, too talented, and too strong and too rested for Denver to handle. Uh, the Lakers have faced some adversity in these playoffs, obviously losing game one to Portland in the first round and beating them in five. And then the same thing, losing game one to Houston in the semifinals and beating them in five, obviously took a two zero series lead against Denver and they just lost game three. So I think the Lakers will bounce back strong tomorrow night in game four and take a commending three, one series lead. But we all know, we all know how much Denver loves being down three, one. So the Lakers obviously should not. And I don't think they will overlook the Nuggets should they take a 3-1 series lead. Obviously, Jamal Murray was sensational for the Nuggets with 28 points, 12 assists, 8 rebounds, 2 steals. Nikola Jokic, I mean, he's playing like 2011 Dirk Nowitzki right now, 22 points, 10 boards, 5 assists. Jeremy Grant was arguably their best player, despite Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic having great games. He was great on both sides of the ball with 26 points and 2 steals. Monte Morris had 14 points. For the Lakers, LeBron James was, I mean, he was LeBron James. 30 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds. Yet another triple double. He now trails only Magic Johnson for the most and for the most playoff triple doubles of all time. Like I was saying, 30 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds, two blocks, two steals, but six turnovers for LeBron James. That's not good. Anthony Davis with 27 points and Rajon Rondo with nine points, eight assists, and three steals. So, like I said, the Nuggets bounce back in Game Three, pull within two one in the series, and we will see what will happen in Game Four. With that, I'm switching gears back to the NFL. This this. This just makes my blood absolutely fucking boil. It is absolutely horrible. Los Angeles Chargers quarterback Tyrod Taylor missed his team's week two loss to the Kansas City Chiefs with with the Chargers. With what the Chargers said were complications from an injection. But ESPN's Adam Schefter revealed more information about the 31-year-old's injury. Schefter reported that a Chargers team doctor accidentally punctured Taylor's lung when he injected the quarterback with painkillers for his cracked ribs. Per Schefter, Taylor has been advised to avoid playing, quote, indefinitely after the injury. The NFLPA's George Atala said its medical and legal teams have been in touch with Taylor and are investigating the circumstances around the injury. Just horrible. Absolutely horrible. 
Taylor intended to play Sunday before the injection went wrong and he was briefly hospitalized. NFL Network reported on Wednesday that it's unlikely Taylor will be fully healthy for the Chargers' Week 3 matchup against the Carolina Panthers, so it looks like rookie quarterback Justin Herbert will make his second straight start. Uh, quote, for him to be 100% this Sunday is theoretically possible, but certainly does not seem likely based on what I know about the situation, Ian Rappaport said on Good Morning Football. Um, this is absolutely horrible. I actually saw a Reddit post about this talking about how how bad this doctor is that, that punctured Taylor's lung. Uh, I believe he was stripped of a surgery license in 2013. Let me see if I can find the Reddit post real quick. Uh, if not, I'm going to transition uh, into the next. There we go. So the Chargers doctor before before this. Oh, wait. Was that? Um, hold on. That I'm, I'm confused if that's the same doctor or if it's the one before this one. Yeah, so, yeah, so, okay, so that's, so this same doctor has had two DUIs, he was raided by the DEA, I mean, you can't make this fucking shit up, it's unbelievable, for writing himself 108 prescriptions, he was, he, he was fined for malpractice for severing a patient's artery, and he, mal, he had multiple mal- malpractice lawsuits for multiple career-ending misdiagnoses, and he lost a surgery license in 2013, so I don't understand how this guy, the one that I just read, I mean, all the things that he's done, like, how how is that guy the Chargers team doctor? Hopefully, Tyrod Taylor will bounce back. Hopefully, he'll be fine sooner rather than later, and hopefully, his career will not be altered in a significant way because of this fucking idiocy. It's sickening. It's unbelievable, and I hope that Tyrod Taylor will bounce back. I hope this doctor will never be a doctor in his life ever again. Speaking of football, this is uh, where politics meet football, and it involves none other than former San Francisco Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick. He weighed in on Wednesday's decision from a grand jury in Louisville to not directly indict any police officers for the shooting and killing of Breonna Taylor. It's been months for people, uh, and people have been demanding justice for these cops to be indicted, and now now that the decision has been made and none of the cops have been indicted, all hell has broken loose. Obviously, Colin Kaepernick speaking out, LeBron James spoke out, all other athletes spoke out. There have been riots in Louisville. Multiple police officers have been shot. It's all over the news. It is absolutely insane. Kaepernick said, quote, The white supremacist institution of policing that stole Breonna Taylor's life from us must be abolished for the safety and well-being of our people, he tweeted. Kaepernick was, like I said, one of many people inside the sports world to react to Wednesday's news. Ray Sanchez and Elizabeth Joseph of CNN reported on the developments surrounding Taylor's case on Wednesday. Noting the grand jury decision came months after police shot and killed Taylor inside her apartment while executing a no-knock warrant on March 13th. Her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, fired one shot at officers because he said they did not identify themselves and he thought they were intruders. Former detective Brett Hankinson was charged with first-degree wanton endangerment for shooting into an adjacent apartment while Sergeant John Mattingly and Detective Miles Cosgrove were not charged. Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron said the officers were, quote, justified in their use of force. So that's the latest. Um, I I am not gonna pretend like I know what is like the de- like. Okay, here's the deal. I know what happened. I read the details. It's a tricky situation. My biggest question is why the the officers did not wear body cameras, so we know, you know, with audio, so we know what really happened. We know if they identified themselves to Kenneth Walker and Breonna Taylor or not. And, I mean, that just changes everything. I just don't understand why they weren't wearing body cameras. I mean, I just don't get it. 
Here's LeBron James's reaction to this. Lakers star LeBron James said he was, quote, devastated, hurt, sad, mad by the grand jury's decision in Louisville, Kentucky on Wednesday. Uh, tweeting, quote, my love to Brianna, Brianna, mother, family, and friends. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, he, he followed up with a tweet saying, quote, the most disrespected person on earth is the black woman. I promise you I'll do my best to change this as much as I can and even and even more. Love to you, queens, all over this country and beyond. So that is LeBron James's reaction. There you have it. Transitioning to more NBA basketball. This was game four between the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference semifinals. The Miami Heat are now one win away from their first trip to the NBA Finals since 2014. The Heat defeated the Boston Celtics 112-109, a razor-closed game in Wednesday's Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Finals at Walt Disney World Resort. They've now lead the series 3-1 after Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Goran Dragic all spearheaded the latest effort with impressive performances. Tyler Hero was definitely the biggest story, taking over the game a number of times off the bench, uh, being the best player for both teams, and dropping a career-high 37 points. As for the Celtics, they will now need to win three in a row to make the NBA Finals for the first time since 2010. Jason Tatum's brilliant second half was not enough on Wednesday, and that is a daunting task considering the Heat have lost two total games and won 11 so far in the playoffs. So Hero with 37 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. Jimmy Butler with 24, 9, and 3. Bam Adebayo stuffs the stat sheet again with 20 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals. Goran Dragic with 22 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 steals. Jason Tatum was great with 28 points for the Celtics, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 blocks. Jalen Brown flirts with a double-double with 21 points and 9 boards. And Kemba Walker with 20 points, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds. So just not enough for the Celtics. The Heat are, like I said, now one win away from their first uh, NBA Finals appearance since 2010. With that, I'm going to give my predictions for... I'm going to close out this episode of Sean Sports Talk with my predictions for Week 3 of the NFL season. Starting with the Thursday night matchup tomorrow, tomorrow night, the Miami Dolphins... And the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the Dolphins are 0-2 while the Jaguars are 1-1. Uh, let's see. We got Ryan. The quarterback matchup is Ryan Fitzpatrick, I believe. Uh, hopefully it won't be Fitztragic again against Gardner Minshew. Minshew is the better quarterback, no doubt. And with that said, uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the the Jaguars to win. Let me let me let me keep a note of my predictions so I'll check back after this after the week. Next up, we got the San Francisco 49ers at the New York Giants. The Niners are 1-1 while the Giants are 0-2. These two teams are arguably the ones that have been dealing with the injury bug the most, with the 49ers so so far losing Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, Raheem Mozart, and another defensive player, while the Giants have obviously lost Saquon Barkley. Despite all the injuries for the Niners, they're still the better team, and the Giants, like I said, lost Saquon Barkley. So with that, I believe the Niners improved to 2-1, while the Giants fall to a bad 0-3. 0-3. Next up, we got the Washington football team against the Cleveland Browns. Both teams are 1-1. It's a Cleveland home game. It's a tough one for me to call, honestly. And I believe it's Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback for the Redskins, and obviously Baker Mayfield for the Browns. I think the Browns are the better team, and I think the Browns improved to 2-1, while the Washington football team fall to 1-2. Let's see what we got next. We got the Cincinnati Bengals and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um... Let's check out their records. The Bengals are 0-2. Both teams are 0-2. Surprising that the Eagles are 0-2, losing. They lost to the Rams, and I forgot who they lost to week one. Uh, Eagles home game. You know what? I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the upset here. I think the Bengals are the big underdog, but I think they get their first win of the year and their first win in a long time. Improved to one and two, while the Eagles fall to 0-3. 
I believe that's what's going to happen. I think Carson Wentz hasn't been great. I think Joe Burrow is going to have a going to play with some fire. And here's my bold prediction that the Bengals will beat the Eagles uh, this week. Next up, we got the Oakland, excuse me, not the Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders, who are a surprising 2-0 against the New England Patriots. Mm, this one's tough. It's a Patriots home game, and I'm going to have to go with the Patriots. I think they're still a very good team, despite not having Tom Brady. I think their quarterback transition has almost been seamless. Yes, the Raiders are 2-0, coming off a huge win against the Saints. But the Patriots are still the Patriots until otherwise proven. And with that, I think the Patriots improved to 2-1 and and the Raiders fall to 2-1. and Next up, we got the Chicago Bears and the Atlanta Falcons. And um, the Bears are 2-0 and and the Falcons are 0-2. But I think the 0-2 team gets the win here. The Falcons had a monumental choke against the Dallas Cowboys last week, losing 40-39. to Like I said on the last episode, they were the first team out of 440 to score 39 points, commit zero turnovers, and still lose the game. Uh, the Bears are a surprising 2-0 as well, but it's a Falcons home game. I like Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, and Julio Jones way better than Mitch Trubisky, Allen Robinson, and whoever whoever the Bears running back is. I think the Falcons improve to 1-2, while the Bears fall to 2-1. Next up, my Los Angeles Rams have a huge game against the Buffalo Bills. Both teams are 2-0. Both teams have looked really good so far. Um, the Rams are bouncing back after missing the playoffs last year. The Bills were a playoff team last year. But I think the Rams improved to 3-0 and and the Bills fall to 2-1. and uh, Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, leads the league in passing yards. That might be a surprising stat for you to hear. It was surprising to me when I saw it. Um, but I think Jared Goff has been great. I think the Rams' defense has been great. I mean, they came up close against the Cowboys and Eagles uh, in back-to-back weeks so far. Like I said, I got the Rams on this one. Next up, we got the Houston Texans and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Texans are 0-2 while the Steelers are 2-0. and and it's a Steelers home game. I'm going to go with Big Ben and the Steelers to improve to 3-0. and While the Texans, you know, a perennial playoff team, I have them falling to 0-3. So that's not going to be good for the Texans. Next up, we got the Tennessee Titans and the Minnesota Vikings. Now, who would have thought that the Titans would be 2-0 and and the Vikings would be 0-2? Yes, the Titans would made the AFC Championship game last year, but they're still the Titans. Uh, Kirk Cousins was absolutely horrible last year. I mean, excuse me, last week. Uh, just, you know, I think he had the worst quarterback performance uh, in the the whole season so far last week and I don't think he'll be able to t- turn it around drastically enough to hold off the Tennessee Titans led by Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry and Mike Vrabel. I think the Titans improved to 3 and 0 while the Vikings fall to 0 and 3. Next up, the Carolina Panthers at the LA Chargers. The Panthers are 0 and 2 while the Chargers are 1 and 1. This seems to be a surefire Chargers win as they barely lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, the defending Super Bowl champions last week. They barely lost. It was on a off a you know game winning field goal in overtime. I think the Panthers are just not a good team compared to the Chargers. Uh, next up, we got the New York Jets at the Indianapolis Colts. This is a fairly you know meaningless game. The Jets are 0-2. The Colts are one and one. The Colts are at home. They got Philip Rivers, and I think they get the win and prove to two and one. While the Jets fall to 0 and three, no surprise there. Then in a huge NFC matchup, we got the Dallas Cowboys and Seattle Seahawks. The Cowboys are one and one. The Seahawks are two and zero. I think the Seahawks are the better team. They're the home team. And like I said, they got Russell Wilson. I think they're the better team overall. I got them improving to 3-0 while the Cowboys fall to 1-2. And then we got the Detroit Lions and the Arizona Cardinals. The Lions are 2-0, no surprise there. But the Cardinals are 2-0, one of three surprises so far. For me, the biggest surprises are the Cardinals, Bears, and Raiders, who are all 2-0 right now. The Cardinals have looked great. They got, obviously, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, Cliff Kingsbury, the, the Sean McVay 2.0 as their head coach. And I think they improved to 3-0, and the Lions fall to 0-3. Uh, 
Then we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Denver Broncos. Bucks are 1-1. One one. Broncos are 0-2. It's a Broncos home game, but the Bucks are just a better team. Obviously, with Tom Brady and their loaded offense, I think they get the win pretty easily. Then we got the, the, a huge, amazing matchup. The Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints. This is a tough one. The Saints are the home team. The Packers are 2-0 with a couple big wins against division rivals, the Lions and the Vikings so far. The Saints... Have, they beat the Buccaneers week one, and they lost to the Raiders on Monday Night Football this past Monday. But I think the Saints will bounce back at home and improve to 2-1, and one, while the Packers fall to 2-1. and one. And lastly, the Monday Night Football matchup. This one is great. I mean, wow, what, what a matchup this is. The two best teams in football last year. One of them won the Super Bowl. The other one has the reigning MVP. It's the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. Both are 2-0. and oh. But on this one, I'm going to have to go with my man Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. They're the home team, and they got the slight edge. Also because the Chiefs barely beat the Chargers last week, losing for most of that game. So those are my week three NFL predictions. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode number 295 of the Sean Sports Podcast. I'll catch you guys on episode number 296. It'll, it'll be tomorrow night after game four between the Lakers and Nuggets. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you guys then. See ya.